It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Mercury retrograde. I don't know, Anthony. Uh, last night I did an hour just on Mercury retrograde because I believe in astrology. I believe in these things. You know, the lunar eclipse, full moon, which last night Nancy was in Central Park. She was uh, howling. Like a wolf well, to that the moon. moon. That was an epic moon last night. Yeah, I mean, she was howling. She Her nickname is Lone Wolf One. You think you could get a wolf howl? Uh, I think that might, uh, might, might all of a sudden cause you major problems here, right? <laughs> but anyway, so she's howling last night in Central Park. It is a Mercury retrograde, which means whatever could go wrong will go wrong. Uh, I, like Nancy Reagan, believe in astrology. Uh, her husband should have listened to her on that day. He got well, what shot. do these terms mean? What does retrograde mean? Do you know? That means for a number of weeks, things are just going to go awry. Things that normally, you know, might have worked themselves out. It's like, beware. People act strange. Because Mercury, as it's juxtaposed to us, it's in a certain position right. in the sky. It's right. actually doing a moonwalk, believe it or not. It's going <laughs> backwards. So the I Earth ends see. up going faster, which normally Mercury, right, the god of speed, you know. Right. Uh, but I'm telling you, all of these things sort of uh, crashing into one another simultaneously. My wife... In Central Park, baying to the moon. I had a caller last night who said, yeah, I baited to the moon also. A woman, because of the lunar, just the attraction to them. The cats were acting weird. Uh, my wife, all of a sudden, she was doing spring cleaning this morning. She's lifting me up. I'm trying to get a few hours of sleep. You know, I only get a few hours. Come on, God, oh, i got to clean everything. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no, people really wig out. And your neighborhood, you better get a hazmat suit because when you go home, uh, they had the annual pot parade that has been going on since, like, the late 60s, except now it's legal. You mean the, the cooking pots? It's like people go no, out with pots and pans? No, the annual marijuana parade. Ah, I see. And the guy who is always involved, almost since the beginning, believe it or not, is the subway gunman Bernard Katz, who's like a libertarian. He's always believed in pot, and yet he's quoted in today's paper, right? I mean, you already have AOC, who has said, uh, this guy, this uh, Marine Daniel Penny, uh, he murdered him. It's a lynching. And then the most recent one, execution. You have Sharpton saying, not only do I want Daniel Penny uh, arrested, I want the two guys who assisted him. And Bernard Getz is quoted in today's New York Post. He says, yeah, Penny's got to pay. He killed Michael Jackson. And so naturally <laughs> the Post reporter said, you realize he was an imitator years ago, Michael Jackson. He said, look. I think Michael Jackson tattoos, piercings, and cocaine all suck equally. Now, what was he smoking when he gave that interview? Well, let me ask you a question, and this is a radio question. Do you think we need to reset who Bernard Getz was, or do you think everyone knows within the sound of our voice who he was? Uh, I'm going to be kind. He's eccentric. He's always been eccentric. Well, and, what, and what is he known for? Uh, he's known as the subway gunman who shot. Now, let me see if I remember all four, because I dealt with them on the two train before he met them and shot them. Daryl KB, Barry Allen, James Ramsour, and 
I'm missing one. Troy Canty. That's pretty impressive. And so he was approached by them. He felt threatened. He shot them dead, and it became well. It, the problem for I mean, him. He didn't shoot them dead. He didn't shoot them. No, no. But the problem he, he, for him was okay. So people, they could okay. You shot the four. They're wounded. But then Daryl Caving was on the ground, and you said, "You don't look so bad." Bang! A fifth shot. That's the shot that caused uh, problems. He had Barry Slotnick. Uh, who used every nuance in the criminal law t- to beat the rap, all the charges, uh, with Morgenthau and Waples. Waples was his head prosecutor. As, as you know, the whole world was watching. He dummied up uh, Getz. He wouldn't let Getz do any interviews because Getz was digging himself into triple life without parole. Then, years later, Kuby, who was my partner at the time on radio, sued him in uh, civil court in the Bronx and won like $10 trillion on behalf of Daryl Kaby, who was paralyzed because of the extra shot. Uh, Getz has never paid a uh, nickel, dime, or penny of that. I don't know how he arranged that. But he goes to the pot parade every year, went to the pot parade long before he became the subway gunman, only got into trouble one time since the shooting. He was in uh, uh, Washington, not Washington Square Park, Union Square Park, 14th Street. He likes to feed the squirrels. And he saw this pretty girl. She was an undercover female cop. He goes, hey, would you like to smoke a bone with me, a joint? Click. And he got arrested, and I think he was given a desk appearance ticket, and I think they adjudicated it. But today, oh, my God, let me tell you something. They, a, a purple haze is hanging over Union Square. You don't live far from there. Well, so Why do they need up, to parade? But most importantly, spend some money. Why do they need to parade? They've won this battle. I mean, the pot's, pot's everywhere. I saw your ex, Melinda Katz, brought down a couple of these vans that are out there. I don't know why it's so difficult to close these places up. They're everywhere. They're advertising. They're putting the signs in the window. It's amazing they still need to parade over anything. Already, my neighborhood stinks. This is, this is, in my view, the, the biggest political miscalculation that has been made in a long time. I haven't met anyone who's like a voter who says, oh, this was a great idea to completely legalize recreational use of marijuana in this way. No, I'll give you a uh, – I was up in the 13th City Council District, which is Morris Park, Van Ness, and Throg's Neck, a meeting of Democrats and Republicans. And they went through a whole laundry list of problems that they have up there. The thing listed on the bottom got the most response, the weed shops. Yep. The moment they hit that, Everybody was up. Democrats were, they opened up weed shops all along White Plains Road. Our kids are going in and out. What the hell? This wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Where are the legal weed shops? It's a mess. But before we get into all of this, and obviously uh, Daniel Penny, uh, is he a good Samaritan? Is he a subway vigilante? We'll deal with all of that. But, man, did you see what the federal government did? They gave the okay for New York State to impose... Uh, that uh, special tax now on people who are driving in south of like 96 or 60th Street, I think that's where it starts, congestion pricing. And I mean, I'm saying to myself, you're kidding. This city has not not recovered yet. You've taken a parking with these restaurant sheds, many of them that are not used are about 8,000. you got the city bike stands are about 6,000. You're going to be putting sanitation containers now to try to fight the rats permanently in the street. That's another 150,000 parking spaces you got to take. And who can afford congestion pricing? And then if it is imposed on us, how many people will get uh, a pass on it, meaning because of their income or whatever? Who, who the hell is going to pay this? Well, that's the thing. I mean, the, the biggest question is who the exceptions are. 
I mean, you know, making exceptions for people who work in the neighborhood? Do you make exceptions for emergency vehicles? Okay, obviously. But do you make exceptions for people who work for nonprofits, for disabled people, for veterans? You know, what's going to happen is little by little, elected officials are going to say, all right, I want this group exempted, that group exempted. But here's the fundamental problem. The fundamental problem is they need the money for mass transit. And for the most part, people coming into the Central Business District are cabs and, you know, and livery drivers and trucks. I always oppose congestion pricing because I thought the way to do this is a truck because a truck that has 200 cases, 200 TVs in the back, you're dividing up that, that tax essentially among 200 people and trucks are really what provides the congestion in, in the central business district. But now because of this ruling by the federal, um, transportation, by the, uh, I think it's the Department of Transportation, now this can go ahead. New Jersey's still fighting it. They're probably going to sue to fight it. But interesting, Murphy said something interesting. He says that he wants a piece of the action if they're going to have it. It is, we have to do something to provide the resources for the subways. And people argue this is the fairest thing to do. People are going to drive. They can still drive, but they pay an extra tax because they're creating this congestion. Well, where do you park? Because now we even have parking garages that they've that collapsing. <laughs> collapsing. Finally, they decide, let's go out there and actually do buildings checks. So they've closed an additional three parking lots. Because I'm telling you, I don't care who the mayor is, whether it was Mike Kumbadichich, Rudy, Bloomberg, the Baggio, now um, uh, Eric Adams. It is the most corrupt agency of any agency. It's so easy to be, be on the take when you are a buildings uh, inspector. And now all of a sudden, all of these... Um, Parking lots, these up and down parking lots that you have to pay, you have to take a reverse mortgage to pay. It's like, what, $28 a half hour or whatever. Now they're going to be determined to be unsafe. They'll have to be closed. They may have to be knocked down. So where the hell are people going well, to But here's the thing. So when they built the Barclays Center, yes, they put almost, they gave them almost no parking requirements for this big, you know, 18,000, 15,000 seat arena. And everyone said, oh, my God, this is not going to work because where are people going to put their cars? As it turned out, because they had fewer spots allocated, before no one decided, everyone decided, I'm not going to do it. Now, that's right over and along on the railroad hub. It's right over a, a, a major transit hub, as you know. But central Manhattan, there are still people that do need to drive their bread truck into central Manhattan. Yeah. But there aren't a lot of reasons why you need to drive your car there. Well, I would say, just from my own knowledge of watching people drive in, generally the best hospitals, the best doctors uh, have their offices and their hospital affiliations in New York. It's just the way it is. Right. Now you have to come in for your appointments. Right. Getting appointments sometimes, <laughs> you yeah. wait months. You have to take a reverse mortgage or payday loan. To park and then the congestion pricing, and then some of these doctors are going to say, we can't afford to have our offices in New York City. We're already suffering. Uh, the city has not returned to where it needs to return. I just don't think, even if you're a believer in this, this is the wrong time, I the wrong place to impose congestion Look, the, pricing. The thing that I've always had the problems with is that you essentially are saying to people in the boroughs, that in order to come into hoity-toity Manhattan, you have to pay this extra tax. And I, I never liked that, particularly since, like I said, I always thought that, tr- that trucks were the better way to, 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 to collect the revenue. But the other thing that you mentioned is this new idea that kind of crosses two big issues of yours, which is parking and rats. In order to try to get rid of the rats, 
the administration's come up with this idea to eliminate 150,000 parking spots. I think they're going to try it out in the Bronx. Is that right? Or is it up in Manhattan? I think it's in the Bronx where they're going to put these dumpsters curbside so that the right on the street, right? right, Permanently. Right. But it's going to, so you don't have bags of garbage sitting around. Now they're going to be in these dumpsters and the dumpsters are going to allow them to collect them more efficiently and everything else. But you got to put them somewhere. You can't have cars parking there because then the garbage trucks can't get, get access to these things. I think it's going to be curbside. It's not going to be on the sidewalk. They're going to be on the curb, right? They're basically going to be in parking spots. Is where these dumpsters yeah, are. Yeah, they're going to be, gonna be right. right next to the curb, but on the street. Right, exactly. So where a car might be, instead, there are going to be these dumpsters. And then you've got to get special sanitation trucks with the lifts on the side like they have in Europe in because Europe, right. we don't have those. Right. You start multiplying the numbers and you say, where the hell are you going to get this money from? I know, but this is the same thing. Remember when we brought in recycling and they had to come in with these bifurcated trucks, so we had to buy a whole bunch of new trucks? It is a major problem, garbage piled up on the sidewalks. It's a particularly in communities like mine that are some residential, some businesses. These piles of garbage are, are such a blight. Now, I don't know. This is this is an idea. I, I don't I don't think it's a crazy one to try. So, but, but you do have the you do have the fundamental thing that can, you're right. Can about. I just tell you about the rats? It's not going to stop them. <laughs> it's just I'm telling you. They are nocturnal. This is this the, the only way you can deal with rats. You don't want them out during the day. That's when it freaks people out. Everyone look, that knows me, they know one thing. I hate rats. Yeah, okay. And you're afraid of rats, and you're obsessed with rats. And to a point, that's good. Most other mayors never prioritize them. And it never got worse than after the lockdown and pandemic. But you're not going to beat them. An average life of a rat is a year, maybe two years. A female rat will have seven, eight litters of about nine, ten baby rats. Start doing your multiplication. They are survivors. They have survived through the centuries. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you just got to figure out a way daytime. They're going to be out at night. There's no way to stop. And look at all these restaurant sheds. I mean, to them. This is like the uh, Plaza Hotel, the Waldorf Hotel. You open up those doors because they're not being used, a lot of them. And it's like Rat City. It's just sort of like you're just pushing it around. Let's try this. Let's try this. Why not? Let's try a situation because you have limited resource. You can't pick up garbage every day. And then you have commercial garbage, too, that they feed off of. So... What are you going to well, do? Well, actually, I mean, in a lot of play, in a lot of commercial places, they are picking up just about every day. I think you, I think you described the overlooked thing that we can do to stop this. Somewhere along the way, those rats are stooping. and if we can somehow figure out a way yes. to find out where these hot sheets rat motels are that they're doing their nocturnal deeds, oh, actually, they're probably stooping during the day. Because they got to go right, or they got to run out. They're in the sewer. I've seen them there. Yes. And also, when you see the Verizon installers, the other installers of the yeah. cable optic fibers, they have their own separate tunnels. Uh, they've allowed me to go down there. At times, the rats eat the cable fibers. They yeah. have to go down there, and they say, first, we got to make sure there are no rats on. They rule the underground. Totally. And they rule the night. And I don't think people understand that I, I like your idea, marital uh, contraceptives for the rats uh, Jimmy caps, condoms, something, right. a food you can put out that will prevent them from procreating. That's the much better approach to take. You're just not going to beat them. Yeah. You're not. I think that's probably right. But it is one of the – you see, I always thought – you know, I gave some, some thought to, to these kind of things – is when you're mayor, you don't want to try to tackle a problem that you're never going to truly 
fix. And that's the problem with making rats your big thing is that the, the rats, the rats are going to prevail. But I do think this, this thing that we've had in New York City forever, we've never known quite what to do. This bags and bags and bags of garbage piling up at night is, is a, it's a worthy thing to try to, to try to attack. But the, the, but you're right. The combination of this new idea, which is 150,000 spots, all of these, these restaurant sheds, which took up spots all over the place, city bikes, which I use all the time, took up a whole bunch of spots. It is getting increasingly difficult. And now, as we've learned from the news, all of these parking garages are like built on a house of cards. Um, it is a difficult time to be a driver in New York. Congestion pricing, which I cannot believe that Meyer Lansky, a.k.a. Hyman Roth, Sheldon Silver, went thumbs down and ended congestion pricing, ended the, even the concept, the idea, three men in a room. And you would have been side by side with Sheldon Silver on this going thumbs down the congestion pricing. I, I listen, when, when this was proposed... I was hard against it, but I was not against it. I, I had a different proposal. I said, listen, if you have a, if, if three cars equals one truck, I say just triple the, the congestion tax on those trucks. And they're mostly from out of town. They're mostly from New Jersey. And, yes, you're going to raise the cost of whatever is in the back of that truck. I don't dispute that. But at least then you're, you're spreading it out among the customers. Well, I will customers. tell you this. I agreed with Sheldon Silver uh, on two occasions, the congestion pricing, which you're in uh, simpatico with. He was opposed to the Jets stadium being Correct. built uh, on the west side. Uh, I sided against my Kumbhada Cheech at that time, uh, Rudy Giuliani, and then Bloomberg on that. And it was one man, one man alone who said no, Sheldon Silver, three That's men right. in a room. But then I'm the one responsible for going down to his co-op uh, in the Lower East Side. Remember saying, Shelly, you're supposed to be in federal jail. You're supposed to be upstate Otisville. What are you doing here? And the next day they shipped him back. And all the Orthodox Jews blame me. You're responsible. That's why Shelly died in jail. And you know what? I look at them and say, while you daven, while you pray, hey, I feel knockers. Good. That he died in jail, that crook. I, um, I, I think that's, that was, I thought the way you hunted him down, a sick man, who had finally gotten a reprieve. You hunt him down as I thought that was outrageous. I got such knockers out of that. Anyway, up next, I can't believe it. I'm not a Trumper. People know that. But Trumpers are like going bizarre out of their minds because Donald Trump, presidential candidate, is going to appear at a town hall forum with CNN. No! Up next, we got to discuss this. Yeah. Because this is the way he started in 2016. Remember, he was like landslides. He was everywhere, MSNBC, CNN, you name it. You had a, a, a micro-dot station with two watches. He'd be there in a heartbeat, and then obviously things changed noticeably. You think maybe he's going back to that old way of, i got to get those independent voters because if I don't, well, this is, this is a, there's you know, no way I beat Joe Biden. Well, I know, well, Fox kicked him out of bed. He's got to find someone to lay down. Ah, uh, definitely. Anyway, it's left versus right. Anthony Winnie. Yeah, we're going to get into the whole subway thing in the second half of the program because I know Anthony spent an incredible amount of good time on that subject uh, in the middle. Uh, but this is your place to be, live and local radio on WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Who's this? I don't know. It's trash. Pick it up. Don't take it away. Trash. Trash. The New York Dolls? 
New York wow. Dogs, what, okay. CBGBs? What is this? Grunge yeah. Rock? I mean, no, not Well, New York Rock. Um, who was in the New York Dolls that went on to be... Kitty would know this. Who, who was on, in the New York Dolls that went on to be on this? Oh, uh, 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 having a little dementia, a little no, Joe I'm Biden just, moment. Well, totally. I talk, I'm see this? Yeah, it but, comes with being a Democrat. But the New York Dolls spun off. Someone went for, All right, I'm, I'm going to look it up. You, David Johansson. See that? Yeah, you nailed it. CBGB's, Bowery. Now yep. you, you yep. can't even afford a parking spot in the Bowery. But anyway, let us move on. Because the Trumpers are, they're, they're hurting. This has been a bad, a bad week to be a Trumper. I know a lot of Trumpers, and they say to me, why would he appear on CNN in a town hall meeting format, meaning Donald Trump, with an inquisitor, you know, a journalist? Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're hearing from Donald Trump people saying, why is he doing it? I'm hearing from CNN people and liberals saying, why is CNN suddenly becoming a place that puts on a guy that habitually lies and that was an insurrectionist and all this other kind of stuff? So if, who is telling him to well, do this? Well, look, let's face it. If you look at the three networks, the three leading networks, you have Fox to the right. You have MSNBC to the left and CNN that doesn't know where it is yet. And doesn't have a single show in the top 20 and can't right, figure out but, what it's doing. Well, they got nothing to lose. Uh, you put up the former president. They did this when he was a candidate in 2016. All the networks, remember, they would cover his rallies. This is before he became very controversial. It was like he was good TV. People wanted to yeah. see Donald. He couldn't get enough of Donald. Right, right. And so the, everybody's rating soared. And then slowly but surely they started dissipating away and got into their cues, especially when he was pointing to the crowd. Oh, look who's in the back there. CNN, MSNBC, fake news, fake right. news. But in the beginning, remember, the the trick and the secret to Donald Trump's success, you could call him in a half a minute, you know, you were in desperate need of a guest, and he knew running for president, he needed free exposure. He wasn't going to spend his money. Yeah, Trump never spends his money. You called him up, it's like that scene in Casino, you know, with De Niro sitting behind the desk, and he's got the pants, you know, <laughs> on, on the side that he's not wearing pants. That would be Trump. He said, got it. And he would say, I'll do it on the phone. They say, you're kidding. We don't have to go through your campaign manual because right. it takes days. I'll do it right now. And so they go live to him right on the phone. He had no time to prepare. But that was in 16. Then in 20, it was a little less so. So, And now it's so much less so that when he did his announcement down in Mar-a-Lago, yes. no one carried it except for Fox. And even they cut away from it right. after a little while. So I think he recognizes it's it's finally dawned on him. That Joe Biden is the candidate for re-election simply because he's running. And he is expected possibly to win the nomination, going away. And that's why Joe Biden is in this race, because the Bidenites are sure, hey, if he's up on the stage, we win this election because he can't win independence. And most importantly, he can't win women. So now what do you do? Do you continue to appear on Newsmax, OAN, Fox, and talk to the same audience? Or do you try to reach that independent audience without which you can't be president of the United States? I think it's a brilliant move to diversify people looking at you because you've limited your access to people now. You know, you have your own social networking site. You're you're really feeding information to the same people. The problem with that theory is CNN doesn't bring anyone to the table. I think what Trump is, is thinking, I can do two things at once. One I can form a relationship now that Fox has basically said we're going with DeSantis, which is what they have kind of said yes, implicitly. I, 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 and two, there is this theory, and I don't know if it's true, 
that there's a million people out there or so, roughly a million, who have now left the 8 o'clock hour. You notice CNN announced this was going to be a 9 o'clock debate and then moved it to 8 o'clock, which is the Tucker Carlson spot. So Tucker Carlson's people are out there. And if you're someone like CNN who really has no reason to be right now, they're they're, they're doing so poorly – Maybe they say we get some of these Tucker Carlson people following Donald Trump over here. So maybe that's what he's thinking. But my question for CNN is, well, who who do you think you're going to get? Fox people, if they want more Trumpism, more Trump around the clock, they can go to these small guys, OAN and Newsmax, which are doing fine, getting a little, the little bit that they're getting. I don't think that this works. I mean, the tougher question is, it's interesting, they – the person that's doing this interview is this woman who used to work for a right wing, um, a right wing outlet before she came to CNN. CNN is clearly trying to position themselves as m- kind of moving to the right here, right? But moderate, the, the but moderate. I network. guess so. But you know, the thing we I, need, we need that. I guess we do. But had these Trump things are always the same. He comes on and says stuff that's just not true. What do you do in that case if you're a moderator? Well, look, if if you go by the over under punch, spread. You have Joe Biden, who just doesn't give anybody access, and then he gives you access and doesn't really say much. Right. And then you have Donald Trump now, who's willing to expose himself. We've seen him in the deposition. I mean, look at that, right? In I know, but, but it's so destructive to what he's trying to accomplish. No, no, I understand. But look, if, if you truly believe that Trump is his own worst enemy, the more he talks, the more damage oh, he does. no doubt about it. I just think in terms of, like, the health of our national debate – so this thing at CNN, it's going to be a host and then a bunch of undecided Republican voters. So I'll give you a scenario. And I talked this a little bit on, on, on the Middle Unplugged I did a couple of weeks ago. I'll give you a scenario. Someone stands up and says, hey, Donald Trump, you know, they stole our election in, in 2020. What do you think we should do now that they stole it? They don't steal it again. Now Donald Trump is talking to a guy who thinks the election was stolen. He's talking about the election being stolen. If you're the moderator of that debate, what do you well, even do? If you're a hardcore Democrat and you're a Bidenite, you want him to say that. I think that's probably Because right. nobody wants to go back to 2020. I think no, nobody I, wants to rerun 2020. The, so election here, denying gets you nowhere. I agree. But, but Mar-a-Lago. Here's the irony. Donald Trump does better and better in the Republican primary the more he's in the papers and on the news for whatever reason. And he does less and less work well in the general for the, at the same time. Right. So Democrats want him to keep doing Absolutely. it. His people want him to keep doing it. CNN is trying to cash in on it. But well, I, look, if you're if you're uh, supporting Donald Trump, everything is you got to win the primary before you do anything. Nobody wants to hear this. If I don't win the primary, I'll run as an independent. He is he's cried wolf so many times using that 2016, 2020. Come on, knock it off. Uh, so his his main opponent is DeSantis. We still haven't seen him prime time. He is the darling of uh, a new generation of Republicans and conservatives. He's perceived as uh, as the cultural warrior, but he hasn't been on the big stage, and people want to see that. But in the meantime, uh, Donald Trump is trying to get ahead of the curve because he knows there's a lot of money that's been uh, backing DeSantis. And so they already got the ads out. They're already attack ads on a guy who hasn't even announced that he's running for the presidency. I've never seen this before. Uh, but this is their strategy, and going on the stage at CNN helps them to get the Republican primary. But I believe it helps Joe Biden more because, as you said, that one person who raises his hand said, you know, they stole the election. Right, Donald? They stole it. Dominion Smartmatic. That's all you have to say, the magic words. And if he nods his head or implies that's true, then the Bidenites have a big smile And, by on the way, face. it's the same true with this trial that's going to the jury next week. You know, every time Donald Trump is in the papers, it's, in my view, 
uh, he seems to go up and up. The, the, his Republican base support goes up and up. But and you've talked about it on this show that moderate suburban woman who he, who like hears him going on and talking about grabbing women and everything. Well, else. not only that, you see in the most recent tape, you're not my type, and you, the lawyer, her lawyer, yeah. you're not my type. You think almost implying that if you were my type. I might rape yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. you're a woman there. Now, the men, they're all boisterous. They're bombastic. They talk a lot of Trump. Trump. Meantime, they don't vote. Right. The women vote, and they're silent. How many times, if they still have a relationship, a man and a woman, you find out the man voted for Trump uh, and the woman voted for Biden. When he calls uh, Stormy Daniels horse face, which he does all the time, and whatever you think of Stormy Daniels, there are women sitting and watching that shit. That's what my ex called me all the time. That's what he said about yeah. me. And, 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 and men out there don't seem to understand that women never forget that. And they will take it out on Donald Trump at the ballot box unless there's a financial collapse or we're in a war. Well, also, you remember it's that same group that kind of turned on Hillary Clinton. That, oh, my God, I can't believe women. But it's these women who, again, they... They didn't like the Bill Clinton thing. They didn't like the the tone of whatever it is. Fair or not fair, you're exactly right. But listen, be, before we we get too over our skis about Ron DeSantis, you know, there was a guy called Jeb Bush about this time in the two in 2015, who everyone said, all right, he speaks Spanish. He's the he's a Bush that knows what he's doing. He's got tons of money. He's run Florida really well. He's beloved in that swing state, and he be, he was basically gum on the bottom of Trump's shoe. We haven't seen anything from DeSantis to tell us that this guy is the real deal. He doesn't have to. At this point, he really doesn't have to. I think you keep your powder dry. But uh, I will say this, uh, Trump appearing on CNN, it helps him further along in getting the Republican nomination. But there are 10 million more women out there who are voters. That's the turnout of the state of Texas in the presidential election. You don't change their minds. Donald Trump will be playing golf in Mar-a-Lago and saying that the election was stolen again, yep. you know, election denying. Nobody wants to hear that crap. Poll after poll says, we don't want Trump, we don't want Biden. But neither of the parties are listening because they just want to. It's like when you wanted Ali to go against Frazier again, right? It doesn't matter. We want Ali Frazier. Okay, you want to return? You're going to get the same freaking results. And Biden is going to be more impaired then. And he is now. Right. But it's easier. You know, he has shown he's kind of run this kind of Rose Garden strategy. Every, yeah. You know, he he started giving a couple of interviews, but he's not going to give many. They're going to button him down and they're going to rely upon the idea of being basically which of the two devils that we know do we prefer. And yeah. I think they're going to choose Biden. I agree with you. And you see, Trump can't control himself when when Biden is on the debate stage. Just let him talk. Eventually, he mumbles, he stumbles, he talks himself into a corner. Trump won't allow him Trump to do that. Yeah, Trump is going to He's got to inject. He's got to be over the top. People then actually feel sorry for Biden. And I think Trump knows. I, by the way, and Trump also said he's not going to debate his primary opponents, which ridiculous. A, which is a tactical matter, I guess, makes some sense. But, you know, look, I, I don't. If I'm going to get get all high and mighty and say that Donald Trump should debate his opponents, I got to say the same thing about Biden. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think that Biden should debate his. I, I think that that by the way, you get dealing with a lot of pressure packed situations. If you can't handle someone at one percent saying something mean about you, maybe you shouldn't be president. Excellent. Anyway, up next, it looks like the unlikely trifecta troika trinity against. 
the U.S. Navy guy, Daniel Penny, who choked out uh, Jordan Neely on that F train. The unlikely coupling? Well, we have Al Sharpton, who has said he wants the other two guys who assisted him arrested, too. AOC's called it murder, lynching, and then yesterday an execution. And guess who's jumped in? Bernard Getz, the subway gunman, who said he killed Michael Jackson. He's got to pay. He's got to pay. And also, if people stay tuned, they'll hear Curtis Lee will say Eric Adams has handled this case exactly right. Exactly. You already predicted. <laughs> Without the laugh. Right here on Left versus Right, yours truly, Curtis Lee with Anthony Weiner, exclusive here to WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lee in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Yes, Ozzy Osbourne, crazy train, perfect, because obviously the city is in an uproar, the nation watches anything that happens in New York, especially if it takes place in the subways. We saw that with the Bronson movies, we saw that with Bernard Getz in the mid-80s, we even saw that with me and the Guardian Angels in 79 when I began to patrol the subways, there were no cops there. Uh, people have this uh, vicarious uh, fascination with the subways. The cult movie classic, The Warriors, is about gangs on the subways. Throw a subway in there, and boy, you're going to have the attention sometimes of the world. And so we, on a Monday, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, not far from where you live, not far from uh, where I'm often at, Broadway and Lafayette, F train, 6 train. And train, uh, uh, there's some problems going from 2nd Avenue uptown to Broadway, Lafayette. Uh, doors open up, and immediately people see that there's this white guy. He's got his uh, black guy, Jordan Neely, in a chokehold, uh, and there are two other guys assisting him, holding him down. He's telling those that are still in the car who haven't fled, call the police, call the police. We know that many 911 calls were made. Some of them were accurate, describing it. Some were inaccurate, but at least people made calls. Uh, one gentleman was filming it, uh, but we didn't know anything on Monday. So just another day in the subway, another situation involving what looked to be an emotionally disturbed guy. We didn't know the colors. Then Tuesday, right before I did the 12 noon show, they dropped the video. And I said right here, I said, it's a white guy choking out a black guy. Watch. Watch. Within seconds, the Twitter universe was on fire. Brad Landry, who's the city controller, he said, well, why is he jumping? And he's the city controller. Oh, we can't tolerate vigilantism, uh, this is not Gotham. And then there was a race to see who could outdo who. And the only measured person in all this uh, was the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams. I have to give him credit. He said, look, when I was a transit cop, there were times that I welcomed the intervention of citizens. I would arrive at a situation. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Leave it to the criminal justice world to determine whether there was right or wrong, uh, and it seems like now with the pressure on, with everybody taking a position on this, it's got universal attention, that Alvin Bragg will probably just do what any DA would do. And that's to put it before a grand jury. Don't make an arrest. 
put the information before a grand jury, let the grand jurors determine whether there should be any criminal charges. This way, if the grand jury determines no bill of goods, Alvin Bragg could say, hey, I put it before the citizens. Uh, we didn't make any determinations. And let it be done. And I'm more than than happy to see it go that way because we have a lot of – we got a lot of documentary evidence. We have video. We have passengers. Uh, we have some who seem to be pro, some who seem to be con. Uh, you know, keep uh, me and everybody else out of it, the so-called experts on this. Just leave it to the people who were there. And you know, depending on the way the um, grand jury hearing goes – They'll probably bring in other people, and there's there's just so many people who know about this guy when he was a Michael Jackson uh, imitator, uh, and then obviously when he was having his psychotic episodes. So uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to you. I was too busy dealing with my wife, who all of a sudden was in a fit. <laughs> we got to do spring cleaning. It's only 325 square feet. Oh, my God, she turned everything upside down. The cats were running for cover. So I didn't have a chance to listen. What was your take on things? Well, because I, you look, are a subway rider, unlike right. all these and fake, also, phony fugazis. Right, and, and, and I put it in, I juxtapose the other Jordan, my son, you know, and, and I try to show it. Look, I agree with just about everything that, that you said in that there's a lot of information. The first thing that happened, this would have been the case when you were mayor, if I would have been elected mayor. The cops have information we don't have. It goes to goes to the mayor and says, listen. Don't get too far out over your skis on this. Here's what you're going to probably learn going on. Or on the other hand, they say, boss, this is a bad one. You should probably just hammer away. So the fact that Eric Adams is saying let's be cautious about this, he probably knows information is going to come available. The problem is with putting in front of the grand jury is now so many people have this idea that Bragg decides all on his own who's going to bring a charge and what charge is going to get brought. We have a process here. It's an imperfect process, but it's the best one that we've ever figured out to do which is the prosecution goes in there, just the prosecution brings this evidence. We think that a crime might have been committed here. What do you, the citizens of this city who are impaneled, what do you all think? I don't think it's going to be a murder charge. I think the manslaughter charge is a very real possibility because just saying that the guy did some threatening things doesn't mean you can put your hands around his neck and choke him. It doesn't. That's not the way the law works. If you have a chance, for example, to to leave and and instead you choose to engage it, if you move towards the danger rather than away from it, there's some vulnerability there. But we're going to find out. I, I'll tell you why Brad Lander jumped out. Because Brad Lander is staking out this position. Jamani Williams is another one. We think that Eric Adams is being the centrist. I'm going to be the left guy. And so wherever that position seems to be, He's going to go stake right. it responsibly or irresponsibly. Right. So they do that, and then AOC jumps their bones, and her and her followers say in, in quick order, it's murder? No. It's a lynching? No. It's an execution. And even if you think the guy did something wrong, you say, the guy didn't get on that train thinking he was going to murder anybody that day. It's not a lynching. Yeah. I, it's not an execution. You might have said, hey, he should have let the guy go a lot earlier. There's no doubt the guy is emotionally disturbed. He has a history of attacking people. Nobody in that train knew that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That that part has not been – there has been no evidence presented that he has a history of doing that. Well, you have, A, a woman on the uh, Lower East Side, your neighborhood, who right. was attacked. Which, well, hold, was on second, hold on a second. He, 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 he is – he was – uh, um, out on not out on bail, he was awaiting a hearing on an assault, and an assault can be throwing garbage at somebody. No, no, no. This was an actual attack. 
Uh, they, they, oh, that, she was physically attacked. That there that was, wasn't that wasn't what I I didn't read anywhere what what the facts were of that case. I, and I read that he had several arrests, not convictions, but arrests. And as you know, someone is down there when the cops come and they see someone acting erratically, they come up with a reason well, look, to arrest the them. The most recent guy who emerged ironically on Cinco de Mayo was the Mexican immigrant who lives in Harlem. Who said, yeah, he attacked me on West 4th Street, and there's documentary evidence. He was arrested for that attack. Well, I, I listen, th- this this case, unless you know, was a 67-year-old woman on the east in the East Village um, was, a, was accused of assaulting the woman. That's all the information. We don't – look, the point that I'm making is that all of this is information that we're getting that's unsourced. We're going to find out a lot more. The guy that was on – that was doing this videotaping said he never saw Neely um, assault anybody. One newspaper said he threw garbage. Another one said he didn't. Let's just wait and see what happens. But I think you're exactly right. I think what they're going to do is they're going to put this in front of the grand jury. Of the course. problem is I think that half the world's still going to be pissed off because they think they know better. You I, know, people say, oh, Manhattan grand jury, it's like what they did to Trump. No. A Manhattan grand jury will be mostly subway riders who have had experiences. That's a good point. Uh, this is why when they picked a jury for the Getz case, they picked an interracial jury. They picked blacks, whites, males, females. Everybody had an experience. They couldn't do. They couldn't interview anybody on that. That well, was a criminal well, case. Well, the who hadn't had an experience in the subway. So you know this from campaigning citywide for yes. mayor. The toughest voices on crime are often older African Americans. Absolutely, because they're in, in their neighborhoods that are most economically depressed. They see a lot of crime. They see a lot of drug dealing. I remember, you know, when I was first cutting my teeth in politics, the death penalty was a big issue. And when I would go for my first meetings to try to feel out my community. I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go to this African-American group. They're going to be anti-death penalty. They're the most hardcore no pro-death but penalty. I'll tell you what. Uh, he has counsel now, uh, the uh, Daniel Penny. He's active United States Marine. He lives in West Side Slip. He's a surfer guy. <laughs> He's worked in a surf shop. You put him in front of it. If I were his uh, attorney, this guy who ran against Alvin Bragg, the Republican, put him in front of the grand jury. The grand jury's going to look at this guy. He... He followed Don Quixote. He wanted to be like Don Quixote going through Central Man. Guy's probably very verbal. We don't know. And he'll be cool, calm, and collected. And you're sitting there as a grand juror. He's probably going to cry. He said, oh, my God. No, no grand yeah, jury is going to find a bill. So here's courts. the interesting thing, and I, is that grand jurors, citizens of, the, of, of Manhattan County, of New York County, are probably going to identify more with the person being threatened by a subway person than the yes. young African-American autistic guy who had mental challenges in terms of who you're going to relate now, to. Now, now, if all of a sudden they found out the guy was a proud boy, you know, and that he had uh, uttered racial thing, whatever, now that may taint it a little bit. But if he just goes in there and he just talks normally yeah, and he served the country, apparently no nothing dishonorable, and you look at the guy, he's a young guy. You say, "Oh my God, he got he was in the wrong place at the but wrong time." But how do you think the Marine thing cuts? You you can make an argument that some people said, "Well, a Marine should know better." Other people have said that, "Look, Marines are trained to kill people. Like that's what they they do. They're they're not trained to go have the other." Like your, let me ask you this question: You train and put guys out there on patrol yes. and women yes. on patrol. Do you tell them never intercede physically or like what are no, the rules we, of engagement you have? Physically inter, intervene, obviously, when people are being threatened. Uh, but if your arm slips around a man or a woman's neck, uh, put them in like a half Nelson, a full Nelson, put them an arm lock. Like, and remember, we're patrolling as a group of two or three. They train right. together. 
these three men, apparently, they don't know one another. They just happen to yeah. be on the same train. So I'm saying you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, somebody else might say, no, you should know better. But all this rush to judgment. And like I said, Al shunned it. I arrest all three of them. It's sort of like, really? Nobody is ever going to want to get involved yeah. again. But the, and the other problem we have, and we're guilty of it here, we're guilty of it here in 77 WABC. If we keep telling people it's apocalypse and the, the crime has never been worse and it's out of control and the inmates are running the asylum, and you're someone who gets on the subway who's not used to being on the subway, and you see one of these things that you and I see three or four times a day, you start to think, huh, maybe I do need to jump in reaction. And I mentioned this on my show. It's particularly bad on the weekends. When you ride the subway on the weekends, a lot of tourists – a lot of people, you know, staring at their phones, staring up at the wall, trying to figure out how to get around. They see one of these things. How do you know if you're a father of four kids in from Kansas, do you think, oh, my God, i got to jump into action and be a hero here because this person's acting erratically? We can't choke out everyone who acts erratically in the subway. That's just a, we can't get into that habit. Well, again, if this uh, new report is true, this is uh, not good. We have to see if it fleshes out. Apparently somebody claims that the day before at the same station – uh, that uh, Jordan uh, Neely was having an emotional uh, uh, problem and try to push him into the tracks. We'll see if this turns out to be true. Right. And then, then obviously, then I think people would say, whoa, wait a second. Right. And, and the same is true of Daniel Penny. And by the way, I was calling him Perry for an hour. Daniel Penny, if it turns out that he wrote a Facebook post in 2016, you right. know, these crazy people on the train, someone has to straighten them out. Or his favorite movie was Charles Bronson or something like that. But that's what I'm saying. Everyone just has to relax. I love Curtis Sliwa, the number one vigilante in the world. Remember, they made a documentary about me called Vigilante. I know. But anyway, the point being is the one who actually sounds the dumbest in all this is Arthur Idala, who with uh, Sid in the morning would say, oh, things are really great in the subways. Don't you find it's really great? And I'd play that cut over and over because he claims to have been a subway rider. He's Ugats. He's Bupkis. What subway? Anyway, I'm next. You don't have to ride the subway to be a fan of the Mets or the Yankees, but it's miserable. And I'm blaming uh, George Santos for your misery uh, because he is a big Mets fan and, and went out there and actually said so on opening day. And for me, for the Yankees, I could have predicted this. You did the same thing this year that you did last year. Everybody's swinging for home runs. You're going nowhere until you get rid of Cashman on uh, Curtis and Anthony, left versus right, with Rob Astorino warming up in the bullpen right here at WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. The Wiz kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while. By the way, great uh, documentary on Yogi Berra, number eight. You know, that's Rudy's favorite Yankee of all time. Yeah. Not Mickey mm-hmm. Mantle, because he said Mickey Mantle was a prick, which he was. That was my favorite Yankee. But that was then. This is now. you got to be miserable if you're a Met fan or Yankee fan. First off, for you, the curse was upon you, the Malukia. When George Santos on opening day had this to say. Hey, guys. Today's opening day, as a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home, but in good old fashion, let's go Mets! God. 
So I knew at that point things were not going to go well. You you got whacked in Detroit. It's like, oh, my God, whatever could go wrong has gone wrong. And naturally for the Yankees, and I've said this before publicly, it's like we're back to what it was last year. If you don't hit a home run, you don't don't do anything with the Yankees. You know, then I'd say that But the bigger problem is the Yankees are looking up at a Tampa team that they were good last year with nobody, and they're even better this year. They're playing like 820 baseball. And the Baltimore Orioles are not playing. Like, unlike the Mets, at least, and part of part of our bad karma, any team that is owned by Cohen, you're going to live by the sword and die by the sword. You if mean the tribe of Cohen? Yeah, if you if you are if the Cohens, if you if you want to feel just a bad vibe, look. What did we always say about the New York Yankees? Rooting for New York Yankees like rooting for U.S. Steel, and the Mets are like the middle class team and whatever it is. Yeah. Now we've got the. The the nine hundred million dollar payroll, but at least the Mets are playing. Well, there's only one team that's really that good in the NL East, and it's Atlanta. No one else. I mean, Miami a little bit, but really just the, just the Mets. I got to tell you, it's getting late early, as Yogi would say for for the Yankees. I sure we're only a month in, but you're what? You're ten games back. I mean, it's it's you're, it's gonna be very hard to make this yeah, up. See, Tampa plays good old fashioned fundamental baseball. The Yankees do not. You could see they're swinging from their heels. Everybody wants to hit a home run. When Stanton hit that bomb that went about 500 feet, I said, that's it. The season's over. Yeah. He's going to try to hit everyone 500 feet. And notice, he's on the disabled list. And besides Cole, who can you really rely on to go out and pitch a good game either? Nobody. So uh, I know we're stuck in the land of misery. Yeah, I don't know. But you guys had such high hopes. We did. Cohen Cohen went out there, man. He, He spent the money. Santos screwed the Republicans. Now he's screwing us. But the curse of George Santos is upon all New York Mad fans. Let's Why did he do Mets. that? Why did he do that? I don't know. I mean, it had nothing to do with politics. I think he did that on purpose, knowing that most of the folks in the 3rd Congressional District, North Shore, Long Island, Whitestone, Queens, are Mad fans. You know, you all deserve it. Let's go Mets.